Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 about the fall of Adam and Eve and its impact on their marriage and the relationships that died as a result of the sin in the garden. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God, and continue it on the air, Tom Cantor is offering as a resource of the month his book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism. It's a tremendous book that helps you scripturally answer many questions about what is the doctrinal teaching of fatalism and fatalistic Calvinism. And he'll address such topics of can a person resist God's will? And who is that person that can resist God's will? Or or are there chosen people that are just preordained to go to heaven and some others that are ordained to go to hell? And Tom Cantor will address the topic, did God predestinate people to die and go to hell? And he'll look at it scripturally, and he'll show each one of us that we're all faced with a personal crisis of obedience, just as many others, such as Joseph and even the Bible, we're all faced with crises of obedience. Now, this book by Tom Cantor, Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism, examines the character of God and his promises and compares them with the teaching of fatalism or fatalistic Calvinism and provokes each one of us with the question, well, well, What if God misled? What if God lied to us? What if God didn't die and loved the entire world? And the most eye-opening part of this book is that Tom Cantor himself was once a fatalistic Calvinist who believed in fatalism. Now, if you'd like a copy of this book, Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism, by Tom Cantor, it's our resource of the month for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. You can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, or to donate online at friendshipwithgod.org and support this Bible teaching radio program. Now, here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, teaching us from Genesis chapter 3 today on the fall of Adam and Eve and its impact on their marriage and their relationships that died as a result of the sin in the garden. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much that... This morning, we don't just come as students to study the Bible, but we come as your sheep to hear from the Bible so that we can follow you, our shepherd. Lord, so help each one of us to silence every demanding thoughts that would distract us away and cause us, Lord, to have that hunger and thirst within our minds and within our souls, Lord, to hunger, to hear, and to believe every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you turn in your uh, Bibles here to Genesis 3, I'm going to read the passage again that we have been considering just to get this fresh in our minds. Verse 11, and he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow 
and thy conception or travail. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou bring eat of it all the days of thy life. Thou thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living, unto Adam also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, the last time we were together, we saw that Adam and Eve agreed to take off those fig leaf aprons that they had made that cover their own nakedness, and when and they agreed to to let God to allow God to cover them with the, with the coats that He had made for them. And we began to look a little bit at how Adam and Eve must have felt having seen what God had done for them in making these coats of skins, and we saw that as they looked at the coats that Adam and Eve were filled with amazement. Just filled with amazement. Why? Because it was so thoughtful of the Lord to do that. He felt what they felt. Says in Mark 8-2 about the Lord Jesus Christ, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Now, he didn't say he didn't have anything to eat, but he had compassion on the multitude because they didn't have anything to eat. He felt for them. He looked, they looked at the coat, and they saw in this coat, it was so loving of God to do this. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to make, to, to make that coat for them, but he made it because he loved them. Jacob didn't have to give Joseph that coat of many colors, but he did it because he loved him. The prodigal father didn't have to clothe the prodigal son with the coat, but he did it because he loved him. Revelation 1.5 tells us, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. They, they were so amazed at these coats because it was so effective. It worked so well. You know, they, they were naked before God. That was who the issue was, the nakedness was before God. And they needed something that would work to cover them. You know, it says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, not the sheep, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. All the iniquities were laid on the sheep by God. So it was very effective. It was personalized. They looked at it and they said, this is very personalized. I mean, it says, you know, that unto Adam he made a coat and unto Eve. So Adam's coat fit Adam and Eve's coat fit Eve. He made them very personalized for each one, fit the other. Adam didn't wear Eve's coat and so forth. And so in his, speaking of himself in Mark 18, 12, when he speaks about the parable of the 90 and 9 sheep, he puts it this way, how think ye, he says, in Mark 8, Matthew, sorry, Matthew 18, 12, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of, one of them, one of them, he said, be gone astray, Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that, that one, in other words, which is gone astray? Very personalized, and they saw that. They looked at it, and this coat, and they were amazed because it came at a high cost. 
was very high cost. What was the high cost? That was the first death that occurred on earth, the death of those animals to make those coats. What is the high cost for us? First Peter 18 through 19, we were not redeemed with corruptible things, the silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Very high cost. They looked at those coats and they said, those coats are different from our aprons because they weren't made by us. And when they took off their self-made aprons, that was emphasized to them. It says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. See, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, not by aprons of fig leaves, which we have made, but by coats of skin. And then they looked at it. We saw last time that they saw that it was so much made by God. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. The that does not refer to the faith. The that refers to the salvation. You're saved and that salvation didn't come from yourself. It came from God. In fact, it's called in Ephesians 2.8, it's a gift of God. It's a gift, something that God gave. So we saw also last week that Adam was content. He left the beautiful garden of paradise. He could say, I got the coat. That's all that matters. I got the coat. And that was a lesson for us. Now, every time Adam looked at this coat, it was a constant reminder also to him that I caused that death. I did that. Every time he looked down that, he could say, I caused that death. And so they caused caused Adam to think that I just caused that death. You know, I just had spent my time, Adam could say, I just had spent my time studying and carefully examining every aspect of these animals and sat down there and said, what should we name this one? And, or what should I name them? And he named each one, see, because he was involved in the, in the ways of the animals and the lives of them. These were like his friends. These are his pets, these animals. And so now, in shock and horror, they see that because he sinned, because Adam sinned, they watched the, the slaughter of his two of his friends and with the blood dripping, I don't know, maybe the blood was still dripping off the coat and he's put the coat on and maybe there's some blood that's getting on him uh, as a result of that and he's looking at it all and he's in shock. He's absolutely in shock. Was that really necessary? Did it really have to happen that way? Well, it wasn't Adam's department. It was God's department. And God's department speaks in 17, Leviticus 17.11 and he says, the life of the flesh is in the blood And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. That's why it says says there in Isaiah 53.8, when it talks about him being taken from prison and from judgment and people asking the question, he hasn't even had time to get married and and start his own generation because he was cut off, just killed, cut off right at the roots, out of the land of the living. And then it gives the explanation. It says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. For the transgression of my people, God said, he was cut off. That's the reason why. So all of this comes to to rest in their minds as they look at the coat. Then they look at the coat and they say, boy, you know, I mean, picture him standing there for that moment. And, you know, they've taken off or God's taken off those silly aprons of fig leaves and they're laying there in a pile. And he's wearing the God-provided coats of skin. 
And, and so he's looking at the fig leaf, the, the aprons of pile of uh, what he just made on the ground there, the, the aprons of the fig leaves. He's looking at his coat. He's looking back and forth. And there's a real moment there of a change in confidence which occurs there. Because before that, Adam says now, these co- these, we put a lot of work into this Eve, so you wear these, these apron skins. She, they, they're just, they're, they're, that confidence in those fig leaf aprons, that's all they had. That's all they had. But when it was revealed to them, so to speak, that God had the better, in other words, the coats of skin, they gladly took off or let it be taken off their, their fig leaves and they cast them down like that, and they're looking at that pile, this is better, this is by God, this is by me. And so there was a change in confidence there that took place. Like it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where it says, by grace you're saved, like we just read, but then it goes on, the next verse, and says, not of works, not that pile of those fig leaf aprons, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because they could say, oh, we made those, those were nice. In Galatians 2.16, it says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, by the fig leaf aprons, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's why it says in in Isaiah 64.6, we are all as an unclean thing inside and all our righteousnesses, those fig leaf aprons down there, are as filthy rags. So, now, what we've seen in Genesis 3.6, very, very simple verse, very short verse, a few words that describe the deliberate act of Adam and Eve. And because of that deliberate act, everything begins to deteriorate. I mean, it says there in Genesis 3.6, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat. There's a few words. Gave also to her husband, and he did eat. And that was it. That was it. And God promised in the chapter before, in verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17, there would be an immediate fatal consequence. An immediate fatal consequence if they did that. Ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day, he said, that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely There's no question about it. Surely, he said, die. And there was a death. There was an immediate death. There was the death in a relationship. It was the death in a life-giving relationship, in a relationship with a life-breathing God, the God who breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul, and, and that was the beginning of the relationship. That relationship was dead, was broken, And Adam, who had his soul life from God, now Adam had a dead soul or no life in him. And so God immediately went about, as we've been seeing here, to restore that relationship. But it had to be based on Adam's decisions also. As we mentioned, he had to agree to take off those apron fig leaves and agree to let God clothe him in the coats of skin. But that was not the only relationship that died with the fall. It was a death in the marriage relationship. That's also a marriage relationship. That's also a relationship of life, right? Because when that relationship goes well, we have babies. And that's life. And so there's a death there also. But now we're going to see 
how God is immediately going to go into action to restore that relationship also, which needed it. You know, that marriage relationship, that started off so good. I mean, Adam, you know, with his Genesis 2.23 words, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. Oh, she's flesh of my flesh. You know, I've been waiting so long for her. My name is Ish, man. She'll be called like me, Isha, woman. He couldn't get enough of her. He couldn't get enough of Eve. He couldn't get enough, couldn't get close enough to her. He couldn't be with her enough. And, and, and he says, you know, she called Isha. You know, he might as well have said, my woman. That's my woman. Because he was saying, it's from bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So you color now Adam pulling Eve close to himself. Okay? A, a big smile on his face. Big, you know, it's so romantic. All right, so that's the way it is. That's the picture that's there. And, and it's, a, it's a very, very happy picture. But when you look at Genesis 3, 6, and you see what Eve did, she took of the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also to her husband, and he did it. She set out to destroy the marriage. And it was a very fast deterioration. What do we see? We see Eve getting in the driver's seat, dominating over Adam, pulling the fruit off the tree, eating it, bringing it to her husband, and when God uh, told Adam in Genesis 3, 7, what the problem was, he said, to, he, he said, you let Eve lean on you. Well, he didn't say it that way. He said, you hearken to the voice of your wife. And he said, uh, and because, you know, we can almost hear Eve saying, here, eat it. I ate it. You know, there, there, there's no death, you see. Just be like me. Eat it. So anyway, friendly persuasion. And Adam did. And so in Genesis three twelve, the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And boy, those are some words. Adam said, we want to say to Adam, Adam, you'll be sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> it just deteriorated real fast. For Adam, it's now she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. As if in, I never would have done it if she wasn't in the picture. That's what he's implying there. So what do we color Adam? Now we get out our coloring. Yeah, now we color Adam pushing Eve away from him, right? A little, bit, a little bit different from the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh picture now. There's the woman, he says, the woman who now gave us me, okay? He says, he says, you gave us, he says, you take her back. So he's pushing her back to God. You take her back. So now, you know, you can you say, I don't want your gift. Take your gift back. And because with gifts like these, who needs burdens? And uh, in fact, we can see Adam lifting up his, his aprons of fig leaves and pointing to his rib and say, put her back in there. She didn't cause trouble when she was there. So, you know, that's the story. So what does this picture teach us? This picture teaches us that with the fall, with sin, comes the deterioration of marriage, the marriage relationship. Wives and husbands, because of the fall, they do things that are destructive to their own marriages. They, they we say words that destroy the marriage. We think thoughts that destroy the marriage. We do acts that destroy the marriage. But this also teaches us, as we go on, that God wants the marriage to stay together. But we see God moving in to restore the marriage. He wants this couple to stay together. And if they're willing, then God's going to bring them back together. But that's another point. You know, just as they had to be willing to let the fig leaves come off and let God's coat come on, they got to be willing now to go to God, the great marriage counselor, and bring them back together. Because we have to understand, 
just like it was with the fig leaf. You know, Adam and Eve could have said, no, thank you. I like my aprons just fine, thank you. You can keep your own coat. They could have taken that attitude. Adam could take the attitude and says, you know, my pride's been pretty hurt. I think I'd just like to go over here and lick my wounds if you don't mind. And Eve could have said, well, with what he said against me, there's no marriage going to be happening around this place. You know, they could have been taking that attitude very easily, very easily. You know, I can hear the words of my mind, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, my father was married five times, and then he had five common law marriages in between. He had ten marriages, so I saw a lot. And uh, so I can hear it, I can hear it, you know, I, anyway. The only thing that's missing here is an iron that one would throw at the other. But all right. So uh, God said, okay, you put all that away now. Because now, inasmuch as I fixed your sin problem, I will now fix your marriage problem. Just work with me. So to Adam, he said, look, uh, here's the way it's going to work. To the woman, say, your problem was you wanted to be independent from Adam. And that started a lot of problems. So your desire is going to be to your husband, he says. He's going to rule over you. He'll be the head of the home. That'll be better for you, Eve. And then Adam, he said, look, because you pushed her off from you, that's your problem. You pushed her off from here. And now we're going to make it so that you won't have the Redeemer that those codes speak of. You won't have the promised Messiah that was promised here unless you stay with her. Unless you stay with her. In other words, God was saying to Adam that he was going to make it so that Adam needed Eve. He needed Eve. And he needed to have Eve in order to have this be complete or have this very, very... Uh, essential, vital. So Adam heard God explain that there was going to be this war between Satan and man that would be unending. But once Adam heard about the seed of the woman, that was something. He didn't need to hear anything else because Adam knew, look, before my marriage, anything else, I need a rescuer. I need a savior from my sin. And that's going to come from the seed of the woman. So he didn't hear the seed of the man. He heard the seed of the woman. And then he heard God say there was going to be two wounds, two wounds here. First, there was going to be the serpent was going to be wounded by the heel of the Redeemer from the woman. See, that was Pilate when he put that nail in the crucifixion through his soldiers through the heel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was wounding the um, seed of the woman. But because the snake's position, all the snake can do is to strike up at the heel, see, which he did on the cross. But because of the man's position, because he stands over the snake, he has the ability to, bam! So because of the position, the advantageous position of the Lord Jesus Christ, he had the ability that even though it was going to mean his death, which it did on the cross with the wounding of him, he nevertheless had, because of his position, the ability to stomp his foot down on the head of the serpent, which he did at the cross. Well, Adam heard God say, her seed. And that was a redirection of Adam back to Eve. And can you imagine if, you know, I mean, maybe he would have argued with God and said, excuse me, he says, uh, I heard you just say her seed. Don't you mean his seed? I mean, after all, you know, I'm supposed to rule over her. Shouldn't it be his seed? I mean, you know, she's the one who brought all the trouble. And uh, I just followed. But he said, no, her seed. Okay. So her seed, because God was saying, it's better, it's better, it's better. Trust me on this one, Adam. It's better. It's a whole lot better for your marriage. Her seed. So Adam brought himself back to Eve because she was going to bring life. And he was dead. And he needed life. 
that's what happens. So in the same way, we as believers, we gather around the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, he's the center of humanity, or he's the center of sane humanity, that knows they need life, because we gather around him, and he gives us life. Eh? And so Adam gathers around, and that was a decision point for Adam, because he could have said, no, I'm not going to love her. No, I won't do it. But there is an indication in this chapter that Adam made a turnaround. You know what it is? Verse 20. Eve gets the privilege of being named three times by Adam. (laughs) First one's good, second one's bad, third one's good. That's a renaming, see, in verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. He understood that the life giver, the life restorer was going to come from her called her seed. And so he calls, he gives her this honor, this great honor. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Again, he could have said, women who need some, I don't need them. They're just not necessary. But God made it clear to Adam, without her, your Redeemer doesn't come. So today, when everything is against marriage, everything is against marriage, this passage reminds us that God is for marriage. And God works toward restoration of broken marriage. You could hear the glass shatter in this chapter here of their marriage. You know, it was just like, oh, no. You know, this is terrible. But God did what he said in Deuteronomy 23, 5. He said, when he was dealing with Balaam, he says, God turned the curse into a blessing. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God as you're driving, listening at home, or downloading on the go, and you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, and this Bible teaching radio program is being a support to you, we need your support and donation to help continue this radio Bible teaching program on the air. To support Friendship with God, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org.